0: Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. Again, it's uh, Monday, December 29th, and this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast brought to you by Squarespace, which recently launched a version of its platform called Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and a feature called Cover Pages. You want to try it? Go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code FUN at checkout to get 10% off that Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere. As usual, I'm joined for this Monday podcast by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini. And I want to start with this. Kentucky is now 13 games through its regular season schedule. 13-0, 12 double-digit wins, four wins over preseason top 10 teams. No matter what you think about the Wildcats, um, there's no denying that they're their stiffest test. A road game at Louisville is now behind them. And they won that game comfortably, basically cruised in the final uh, 10 minutes. Matt Norlander, I will ask you uh, first, are the Wildcats... Going going to enter selection Sunday perfect, and even if you don't think so, is it at least now a reasonable conversation to have?
1: Uh they won't enter undefeated. I'll say they get there with two losses, but it's a it's a reasonable conversation to have because statistically, uh as you said, the the toughest one is is behind them. Doesn't mean they can't lose other games. I mean they do have a back-to-back roadie with Florida and LSU. Those could be the two toughest teams in the SEC. Not that either of them are honestly worthy of anything above a six seed at this point. But um, Kentucky teams that have been talented in the past have been tripped up by seriously inferior competition. Uh, this one, This group hasn't really shown too much of that except for a first half against Buffalo and a first half against Columbia. Honestly, those are the two games. And then if you want to throw in the first half against Texas, you can. Those are the only times we've seen this team truly be uh tested or struggle and reasons for that vary but none of them are ultimately that uh, disconcerting right now what i think is the it's a good problem for kentucky to have and i'm sure uh, wildcats fans have been talking about it over the past 48 hours and maybe it'll continue a little bit into this week is in my opinion don't you don't change your starting lineup and you don't change your rotation too much gary i know you wrote about this and you're going to expound upon it but uh, now the question becomes, okay, do we want to get better and prevent um, issues with Andrew Harrison <laughs> and put Tyler Uless in, on the floor more and have him be a starting guard? Some people have said it's just simply not an option to split up the Harrison twins and potentially wreck whatever dynamic the team has right now. I I would agree with that only in that we have not seen tangible evidence that starting Andrew Harrison and and giving Eulis less minutes has not directly affected Kentucky's overall mo to this point.
0: Well, here's the deal: they're so good that it doesn't matter. Like they can beat most people with Andrew Harrison. You know, they like yes. they can beat most people with Andrew Harrison playing point guard. I mean, he's not a bum. I I mean, he's he's a fine player. I don't think he's their best point guard. I don't think they think he's their best point guard. Um, but he's good enough with the other pieces that they're going to be able to beat basically everybody on their schedule, no matter who is playing point guard. So it's not like we have to make this change now or else, or else what? I mean, you'll only beat, um, you know, uh, I don't even know, uh, Georgia by 14. Like, you know, so what? And so I think what they're going to do, I'm, I'm confident what they're going to do, is they're going to stick with what they're doing. They're going to continue to call it a platoon, and if only because it makes everything so much simpler. And honestly, this isn't just me saying this. John said this after um, Saturday's game. I was in Louisville for uh, for that game. Me and, and Jennifer Lawrence both showed up. And, yes. And um, <laughs> so afterwards, he said, like, listen, it's just, this is so easy. Like, hey, you four play. You, uh, hey, you stay out there. You four go. You four out. He's like, I don't have to think about it. And it makes everything easier. What it also does is it keeps nine guys happy. What he, And so what he'll continue to do is use that um, substitution pattern in the overwhelming majority of the games, because the overwhelming majority of the games aren't going to be close, but anytime they're close, if it comes down to, to, you know, making the game closer than it ought to be or angering the Harrisons, then you saw what happened on Saturday. It was like Tyler Ulysses is running this thing. And um, honestly, I think at this point you could argue that Ulysses is the best Point and Devin Booker yeah. is their best too. Like I don't even think the Harrisons are. Uh, if you were actually like okay, zero zero five minutes, like in overtime against a good team, would you got to win the game in the next five minutes? I think you you could probably you should probably go Euless, Booker and then I don't know if you want to have Aaron out there with them as another shooter or Andrew as another ball handler. That's fine, but I think Euless and Booker should probably be on the court and then we could figure out the front court. However, so I, I think what they're going to continue to do is is um, they'll stick with the same starting lineup and the same sort of system, but whenever it gets, all right, hey, this is a little too close. Let's, we got to win this thing now. We got to put this thing away now. Tyler Eulis is going to run that basketball team. That's the way you see it, right,
2: Sam? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I also agree with you that I think their best lineup right now is probably Eulis, uh, Booker, Harrison, and then Townsend, Cauley-Stein. But getting back to the original question as far as whether or not they end up undefeated, I think that they are going to go through the regular season unbeaten. The reason for that is that I didn't really think that Louisville had a great shot to beat them coming into Saturday because I think the way that you beat Kentucky is with three-point shooting and slowing the game down and really limiting possessions generally, and that's Louisville does neither of those things well. And looking at their schedule, I don't really see anyone that also does those things well. And statistically right now, Ken Pomeroy has it as a, at a 24.1% chance. That's, That's massive that be, for this time Yeah, that might year. be higher than I've ever seen any team right. heading into conference play. Yeah, I've, yeah, never, so. I've, never, I've never seen one that the State high.
1: last year didn't even crack 25 until it was into February, uh, just as a comparison. Yeah.
0: Right. I, I won't to answer that question and then we'll move on. I I will not pick them to lose any game, but I think they'll slip up somewhere. You know, like it, it won't make sense going in. You won't look at any game and go, Yeah, this is where they're yeah. gonna get caught. But then they'll just get caught, I think. I th- I, like, I won't be surprised if they go undefeated. Um. But, I, like, at South Carolina, it'll be like something like at South Carolina. You know, they'll just, mm-hmm. it, somebody will come out and bang home, you know, uh, nine three-pointers on them, and they'll get behind, and, and then they'll just miss shots. Like, even the other day, you know, as they pull, I, I say they won comfortably. It felt like they were going to, you know, final ten minutes, it never felt like they were going to lose. But some of that was because Tyler, Eulis, banged home two, threes, and then Harrison hit a three, and you know so really, you take those shots away. You just take those makes and turn them into misses, and now you've got a basketball game, right? And so I think there'll be a, a time where they're in a similar type of game, and those threes those makes will be misses and and then they'll get caught. But um, they're certainly equipped as, as well as any team I can remember to to go um, to go undefeated. Um, it was interesting though. And the post game, that John really went out of his way to try to talk about Andrew Harrison and try to talk about, um, you know, listen, he's still my point guard. It's clear he knows how delicate this is. Um, and he actually went out of his way. I thought this was funny to talk about, hey, it's not just the kids, it's the parents. The parents have been great. You know, like I've got a top five pick playing 20 minutes a game. You know, the the, the the parents can pick up the phone and call me. And, like, under normal circumstances, you might not want to take this phone call. Why is my top five pick only playing, you know, 20 minutes a game? He's like, but I, you know, I see the parents. And the parents are like, hey, coach, uh, um, you know, just keep coaching my kid. He like, and John's the best at this, like sending messages, um, even when not asked. Nobody asked him about players' parents or even about playing time. But he went out of his way. To talk about how great the parents have been and how great the kids have been, and how though Andrew he did specifically mention Andrew might be frustrated right now, um, you know he'll be fine and his parents are fine, and it it almost felt like this is what I need to say just in case the parents aren't going to be fine. Uh, to you know it, it makes it a little more difficult for the parents to be angry if you're publicly praising them as the type of people who don't get angry about such things. And so it seemed like, um, um, I, I, I don't know. I I think everything John says is it has a purpose and, and all of that seemed like it, it have, it has a purpose, but it, it was, I think maybe not the first public sign, but, but a very public sign that he knows this, this, this was always going to be the issue with this roster. Like you can play the platoon thing and sell it and convince the kids that it's all good to play 20 minutes a game, but eventually it become it becomes a problem. And, well, and it became a problem on the bench the other day. I mean everybody's yeah. seen that.
1: Right. That's what I was getting to. Is I didn't know if you if you saw it in the moment or if you just saw people reacting to it on Twitter, but you know, there was a there was a quick moment where the cameras caught Calipari, you know, lovingly cursing at Andrew Harrison saying, Get in this huddle right now. Like do not go and sulk in the corner, like get over here right now. Um and, you know, in in the heat of a game uh, that Kentucky was kind of comfortably winning. I don't think that's the most positive sign. Doesn't mean that, you know, Andrew can't get over it. Uh, but, you know, just some small fraying there, which ultimately I you know, it's just it's pretty much impossible to avoid when, you know, now we're at nine, but when it was Porthos so you had you had ten guys with legitimate NBA dreams at that point, and many would argue Andrew is probably the least likely player seeing playing time that's going to make an NBA roster. Uh, but that aside, you just you can't go through a season where you're ge- giving guys you know sixteen to twenty two minutes all around. Someone eventually is just going to have some frustration that shows. That's all.
0: I think it's always um, there's always the potential for problems when. And this is what's happening, I think, at Kentucky right now. When you have two players... It could just be one, but I think in this case it's two. But let's just focus on Andrew. Let's say it's one. Um, When you have a player who has forever been the best on whatever team he's ever played on at his position, it's never even been considered that he wouldn't start or be the best option at whatever position he played. And then... Suddenly, like for the first time in his entire life, like I don't know how, like whether the Harrisons are 19 or 20, I, I'm not sure. But let's just say they're 19. So for the first time in your life at 19 years old, on, on the biggest of stages in college basketball, um, it now becomes clear to, to everybody, including your coaches, that you're not the best option anymore. And it's not because of somebody older than you who might get out of your way someday. It's but it's the, the better option is somebody who's younger than you who is going to be there as long as you're there. And that's a weird thing. Like you can talk about maturity and... Um and, and being humble and being whatever, that's a weird, I just, I fundamentally think that's a weird thing for somebody to have to endure. It would be weird for me. And, you know, if I were an athlete, I, I wouldn't, you know, like, let's you know, I can't compare to being an SEC basketball player, obviously, but like just on any level, it works. What if, what if you're a high school baseball player and you've, you know, I, you've played, you've been a starter at second base your entire life. That's, that, that this was my story. St- I started at second base my entire life. Then I get you know high school freshman started second base, high school sophomore started second base, high school junior, and then some freshman comes in and he's a better second baseman than me, and everybody knows it. My coach knows it. Like that would, and suddenly I'm I'm not I'm not playing in, in you know the state tournament or that. Like that would be hard to 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 deal with. And so I, I think this is now the interesting challenge for John. How do you how do you handle that because. I, I, it's much easier for Tyler Ulis to be the secondary option in terms of chemistry, much more difficult for it to be Andrew Harrison. But the truth is you know, they're better with Ulis on the court. They just are. I, 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 I think the numbers show that. I think your eyeballs tell you that. Um, and, and it, 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 to me, that'll be the, the, the most fascinating thing to watch with this team, how John actually handles that and how the Harrisons actually um, handle that. Sam, let me ask you this. Um, Montrezl Harrell the other day, I think he got nine points, eight rebounds. Um, some of that was, it was his worst performance of the season. Some of that was because he was playing against Kentucky's defense and you're probably going to have your worst performance of the season. Um, but NBA scouts wanted to know, can he, uh, you know, how does he play against link? Can he score against, um, against bigger guys? And on the first possession of the game, he actually did. But then, you know, for the final 39 minutes and 30 seconds, he only got seven points. Did did Harold hurt himself, help himself? Did it matter what happened Saturday?
2: I think that he did exactly what I kind of expected him to do. Um, it, it's always so hard whenever you're that undersized power forward going against a front line of seven-footers, let alone like one seven-footer or maybe a second seven-footer. This Kentucky team has three different seven-footers plus plus. Trey Lyles, a 6'10 with a 7'4 wingspan. Like that's not that's absolutely unheard of. Um, and I think he did, you know, reasonably well. He was very really active on the boards. He finished over, I want to say Collie Stein a second time with like a nice floating hook shot in the right. second half. He had two of those. Yeah. Um he yeah he did exactly what I thought he did I don't really think it helped or hurt him um he's going to be an energy guy in the NBA and that's what he provided he crashed the boards he made life difficult for uh, Willie Cauley Stein who had a you know pretty down game compared to what we've seen from him so far on the defensive end so he actually uh, stood up in the post he stood up to Kari Johnson once and I was really really impressed I think that uh, he's his most obvious comparable in the NBA is probably uh. Like a Kenneth Fareed who provides like endless energy with uh, on the boards and you know, just crashes and can maybe, maybe shoot those like 15 footers with floaters and all of that stuff. Um, and I think that he actually might have a little bit more defensive potential than Fareed does, because Freed's the like sneaky truth about Fareed is he's kind of a mess defensively. Um so I think that Harold did what he had to do to show that he can be a solid role player against length. Basically, he was neither as good or he'd either exceeded or played below his expectations.
0: I know you were catching some stuff about where you had him in a mock draft and you mentioned something that, that we had talked about on this podcast before, which yeah. is that he's he's short. Uh, I, I will say this. I sat on the baseline um, Saturday at the Yum Center and he's an inch taller than the Harrisons.
2: Yeah, like no, I there, mean, was no. where, yeah. there was a play where there's a play where Aaron Harrison guarded him in the post, and it was like, "Wow, Harrison is like his size." Yeah, they
0: look the same size. That's the thing. Yeah. He looks way closer to a Harrison twin than he does a, a Willie Collie style. You know what I'm mean? yeah. like, saying? Uh, yeah, at the
2: 2013 USA Basketball uh, camp, I want to say it was. It was the it might have been the tryouts for the USA basketball team. He was measured at six six and a half. Like it, it just is, is what that it is. Shoes Method, or no that's shoes? Shoes. Okay. Wow. But, um. But he was uh-huh. measured with a seven three wingspan as right. well, so his standing reach is actually higher than Aaron Gordon's was last season for reference but Aaron Gordon's also gonna see some time at three he's gonna you know move around like outside of the paint without the ball um, Harold you know Harold's gonna be a four period that's kind of a tough it's tough when you're six six and a half even if you have that big wingspan
0: you know with with Harold. I mean, I, I think he's going to be a good pro, but mm-hmm. but anybody who thinks that that's not an issue that he that he's the same size as a Harrison twin is just crazy. Like it is, it's 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 something that NBA scouts are. I you know I talked to a couple the other day. Like they you know hey they want to see how can he. Is he just as aggressive, just as explosive, just as all, all of the things you like about him? Can he do it around seven footers? And I, yeah. I think he can to some degree. I don't, I don't think he's going to go the NBA and be an All Star, but he yeah exactly. But, but but put him on my team. I'll, I'll take him. And you know, I had basketball. him as a lottery
2: pick in my mock draft. Right. Like, you know, I just not like I was low on him. And then he had the he had a couple of swats against. Uh, he had that one big one in the first half against Willie Cauley Stein. Showed that you know he can defend against size. The offense, he's still going to be a work in progress right now against size. And as long as he keeps showing that he can knock down like a few floaters, some putbacks, rebound offensively, he'll be fine. He's just going to be he's going to be like a fourth starter, fifth starter in the NBA, I think.
0: So, Matt, there are actually four teams now, um, according to Kim Pom that will be favored or should be favored in every game going forward. Kentucky is obviously one of them. Virginia's another. Gonzaga's another. Wisconsin's the other. Two of those, Wisconsin and Gonzaga, um, have already lost games. Wisconsin at home to Duke, Gonzaga at Arizona. Uh, but, but Virginia is, on December 29th, undefeated, and, according to Kim Pom, going to be favored in every game going forward, or at least should be favored in every game going forward. Um, should we start the UVA might-go-undefeated conversation, or is it too early for that?
1: We talking about the sex god again here on the podcast? So Your buddy awesome. Tony
0: Bennett. Your buddy Tony Bennett. And okay. Virginia yeah. fans, Virginia fans. Um, I will let you know. I am finally writing about Virginia for tomorrow. I uh, I'm, <laughs> I will be uh, I'm actually as soon as we get done with this podcast, like uh, I'm talking with Tony and just sort of. I I really do think like I hate the whole nobody pays it. You know, like um, disrespects like whatever. Like, but but I you know. He does have an undefeated team that is projected to win every game this year. (laughs) You know, that's when you're decent, when it's December 29th and you can say that about somebody, you've got something pretty neat going on. And so, um, I don't know. Listen, I don't think Virginia's going undefeated, um, but but, uh, they'll be projected in every game going forward. And yet they're so far off the radar relative to where Kentucky is. Like, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think if you, you know, Pulled uh average sports fans they might not even remember virginia was a freaking one seed last year um the, and part of that projection is is they lack road games against the top of the conference which is fine they but, don't play duke uh, at all what's up they don't play duke at all Yeah, no, they, they do, do. they do got they? duke at home
0: oh they yeah. play yeah they play okay they in charlottesville they play yeah
1: they got duke at home because i'm i'm targeting that game maybe maybe to go to it um but uh but uh, that's the toughest one uh, honestly uh you you would think and and i hope listen i would love it if virginia does not have a loss on january 31 um that would be terrific for the sport for the for the league um overall it's gonna probably take listen we talked about this about three weeks ago i mean it's going to take a win over a duke team i think for virginia to really hit like true mainstream talking points i just it's just a a, a fact of the matter they're going to have to be one of the last undefeated remaining and that's really the other fun question is we've now, we're now down to six cuz washington took a, just an absolutely terrible loss over the weekend on sunday night so now we're down to um what duke kentucky virginia who else? T- TCU, Colorado
2: State,
1: Colorado TCU, State, Colorado State, TCU, and there's one more that I'm on. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So, which of those is gonna is gonna make it? You know, even two weeks into in, into conference season, I think Virginia's got a pretty solid shot. I would think that the road game at Notre Dame though is when they're going to get clipped. I actually think Notre Dame's a pretty good team, uh, relatively speaking. Um, but hey, I mean. Good on Tony. The ACC needs teams at the top. We're seeing um, some leagues all around. I mean, the Pac-12 has just been pretty rough as of late. It's taken on bad losses. Cal lost to Cal State Baker, uh, uh, Bakersfield. You had, that was you, so much
2: worse than that Stony Brook loss. I could yeah, not believe that.
1: Yeah. Um, no, Stony Brook is a, is a is a decent team, relatively speaking, in its conference. So Washington losing that isn't a great <laughs> look, but it's not awful. The Cal State Bakersfield loss, I mean, that was a two-win team going in and knocking off a Cal team that still has tournament hopes. But now when you have a loss like that, it's going to really stain you down the road. They're going to have to be a top four team in the Pac-12, I would think, to uh, to feel comfortable, and there's yeah. certainly no guarantee of that. Um, but point I'm making is the ACC, um, it, it's looking like it can be the best uh, league in the nation along with the Big 12, one of those two uh, at the end of the day. But I think a lot of that will depend on if, its best teams really kind of sweep away with, with the lesser teams. And so you'll have, you know, Duke and Virginia and Louisville. But be, even beyond that, like, can Notre Dame, you know, win the games that it's supposed to? Maryland has suddenly gotten really good. Uh, it would be nice to see if Turgeon can not have um, a season in, in ACC play where he's, you know, hovering around 500 would love to see Maryland go and, and really have a, a strong effort this season once they get to league play. So we'll see. Um, I would say the ACC intrigues me more than any other league in terms of how certain teams are going to uh, to react once they get there. Because even some someone like North Carolina, which I think Carolina is good, but ultimately I don't know how much I actually trust them. Can Carolina finish top five in the league? It, it should. But Roy has had a couple instances in recent years where he's had talent and it's just completely fallen flat. And Marcus Page... Just as a side note, guys, I mean, I, when you look at... If we, you went back two months ago and you looked at preseason talk of players and expectations, I mean, I don't think anyone has fallen as short of that as, as Paige to this point. Ultimately, Carolina hasn't totally even um, knocked off the rails because of it, but um, I, Paige is going to have to start playing like a top 15 player in the country if, if Carolina has any sort of 4 or higher hopes.
0: Yeah, so Virginia... They do not have to go to Duke. That would be the toughest possible ACC game. They don't have to go there. Their road games are at Miami, at Notre Dame, at BC, at Virginia Tech, at Carolina, at NC State, at Wake Forest, at Syracuse, at Louisville. They close. That's tough. At Syracuse and at Louisville, uh, the ACC uh, schedule. They are... Um, again, according to Ken Palm, supposed to win every game. Like they'll be favored in every game, but the projected record still twenty-seven and three overall, sixteen and two in the ACC. Right now, if you were trying to pick an ACC champion, um, that would probably be it. You know, when you look at um, when you look at the schedule and then look at the ability of the team and combine those things, Virginia probably the smart pick for ACC. Uh, champion remember today's Ion college basketball podcast is brought to you by squarespace where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio squarespace is now redesigned uh, with the squarespace 7 interface including integration with google apps partnership with getty images 15 new templates and cover pages and squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day seven days a week everything starts just eight dollars a month includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look great on every device, every time. Start a free trial with no credit card required and get to building your website today. Just go to squarespace.com and make sure to use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support for the ION College Basketball Podcast. That's Squarespace. Start here go anywhere. All right, let's do some news and notes presented by Squarespace. Uh, Mike Davis in Texas Southern beat Michigan State two Saturdays ago. Then they beat Kansas State um, over the weekend. Is he the best already? Is this fair to say? Best coach in <laughs> SWAC history?
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't know my SWAC history well enough to say that. Me neither. But uh, yeah, I would say that he's done one of the better coaching jobs in America this season. Um, he That win over Kansas State yesterday was hilarious. Kansas State fouls a three-point shooter. Um, Texas Southern makes two of the, or the first two free throws misses on purpose, gets the rebound, makes the putback, and then Kansas state throws a ball out of bounds and gives them a chance to win it at the end. And they ran a really good baseline out of bounds play to set up a nice little, just one of those alley tip in plays. The guy had to come down with it midway in the lane and then he eventually put it back up and in. Um, yeah, I can't get over how Mike Davis has now beaten two Power 5 teams at a uh, school like Texas well, Southern. Here's
1: here's what we're heading to. Um, I mean, you would think that Texas Southern is going to be the best team in the SWAC this year, um, and it'll make the tournament. And ultimately, it's going to be the most popular 16 pick over one in history just because we've never had a 16 that'll have been able to claim, I wouldn't think, um, that would have been able to claim a win over a a Big 10 team and a big 12 team, and both of those being road games in the same season. I would think that'll be a first if Texas Southern gets to the tournament. So, uh, that that will be your chic 16 over one, and would love to, uh,
0: and then of course they'll lose by 25, like all the yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But still, it would God, I hate the six. I you get around the by the way, Texas Southern is three and nine, just one like I know,
0: right? (laughs) It's so
1: like. You get around, um, you get around like, you know,
0: NCAA tournament starts and you go on these radio shows and they're like, so is this year's 16 beats a one? No, 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 this is not the I
1: you know what? I actually root for that not to happen because it's like, it's the only thing the tournament hasn't seen happen yet. So it's almost like, uh, let's just let that one thing still, you know, be, I like that ones beat 16s. It'll kind of, we'll kind of lose something special when that eventually does happen, but, uh, I'm all for the ones winning.
0: Uh Tulane isn't great. Uh they might not even be good. But what St. John's did to them yesterday was uh still pretty impressive. They were up forty seven twenty two at the half. They won eighty two fifty seven. Um now they're eleven and one with wins over Minnesota, Syracuse, Saint Mary's lone loss, single digit loss to Gonzaga. Uh Sam, Redstorm a threat to Villanova in the Big East. Um are you believing in Steve Lavin's teams right now?
2: Um, I would say they're probably the second yeah I'd say they're the second best team in the Big East uh, I, I would think that they can probably split with Villanova Um, I think that you're looking at probably like a top five seed with St. John's which is an awesome job for Steve Lavin considering coming into the year they lost two of their backup big men and they're playing Sir Dominic Pointer as like a full-time four right now considering the lack of depth they have in the front court this is a fantastic job that he's done and I can't foresee any circumstance where they get rid of him, which was a consideration at the beginning of the year.
1: I, I would say this real quick on the Big East. I mean, we enter, as we record this podcast, this week is when a lot of leagues, I mean, starting on Monday, um, a lot of intra conference play begins. And so, you mm. know, the non conference portion is over um, where you prove who you would play out of your league and, and where and what kind of wins you got. Big East is in. I mean, it's in really solid shape right now when you consider this. I would I would rank them like this. I would go Nova. I actually like Georgetown a little bit better than St. John's. I'd go St. John's third, Xavier four, Providence five, Butler six, Seton Hall seven. Those are the seven teams, though, right now, though, um, all have three losses or less and have you know, pragmatic, realistic hopes of getting into the tournament. I don't think the Biggie's will get seven, but I think if we said six right now, I think that's actually not totally crazy. Only Creighton, Marquette, and DePaul have taken on a, too many bad losses or losses overall where they're gonna have to be a top four team in that league to uh to warrant at large consideration. But you go in, it's been pretty it's been pretty awesome. And I, I would even say below Nova I mean, Saint John's and Georgetown. I'm I'm a higher on Georgetown. I just have been um, all year. But then Xavier Butler, Seton Hall, Providence. I mean, those are all very jumbled. So I'm intrigued by the by the Big East and what it's going to bring. It's been uh, it's been terrific to see the league play so terrifically. And by the way, with with Saint John's and Lavin, I don't think anyone saw this coming. Um, it, it, you know, he could have been a you know a premier hot seat type of candidate, but they've beaten everyone except Gonzaga and I was at that game they played them so so well um, so the only non conference test left for St. John's is they always have that random Duke game in the middle of conference season right um, but they mm-hmm. get Duke at home this year it's not it's not away so i mean you win that kind of game then yeah, uh, you beat Duke. St. John's would have to absolutely crater to not be a, a top four or five seed at that point.
0: You know they do have the biggest right now seven in the top fifty at Ken Palm, five in the top thirty-five. And um, I think I mentioned this in a column last week. Basically, top thirty-five at Ken Palm, it it, it, it there's a you. It's not guaranteed that you get an at-large bid, but you, you're pretty damn close to it. Like if you're top thirty-five Ken Palm, and you know you're you're in serious play for an at-large. And right now they do have five in the top 35. Again, it's Villanova, St. John's, Georgetown, Xavier, and uh, Butler, and then Seton Hall's at 39, Providence would be at 48. Um, Meantime, in the SEC, Kentucky's the best. I don't think anybody could reasonably or even unreasonably uh, debate that. But – um, according to Kim Pom, it <laughs> then goes Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, LSU in that order. South Carolina, Sam, really the third best team in the SEC. <laughs> you buying that?
2: Um, I would probably go Florida as the third best team. I think that Arkansas is the second best team. I've been saying that since I think the last week of November, that I think that they're probably the second best team. Um I don't know that they really have a shot to beat Kentucky because they kind of play right into Kentucky's hands and that they play through the post in Portis and they play fast. But I think that uh, Arkansas is a really good team. I think that a lot of teams are going to have trouble matching up with them athletically. Um, Michael Qualls, really athletic, really strong wing. Uh, Bobby Portis, obviously, is one of the better sophomores in the country. I have him in the first round right now. Um, Anthlon Belge, Corey Williams athletic guys with them and then florida uh i I don't know what to expect from florida right now they don't really they haven't really shown me much but they're one of the more talented teams in the league obviously and they're probably one of the more talented teams in the country when they're uh at their best so we saw that best at kansas for the first half but they couldn't really keep it together for the second half and I'll be interested to see what happens with this Florida team. But right now I'd probably say South Carolina is in that four to five range with LSU.
0: Which is still pretty good, right, Matt? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people were wondering, like, did Frank make a big mistake leaving Kansas State to go to South Carolina? Now, it was, you know, he didn't leave under normal circumstances. I mean, simply put, he hated his boss. And <laughs> so, like, you know, and also, you know, to get back east in the eastern time zone, I think, was important to him on some level mm-hmm. uh, for his family, but mostly. Like, if he had a good relationship with his boss, he'd still be the coach at Kansas State. And so, um, it was a little bit, I mean, not apples to apples, but... Um, you know, like the, the Harbaugh situation in San Francisco, like you wonder like, Hey, listen, this is going well. Do you just yeah. figure out how to just mm-hmm. figure it out? Like, just like, okay, you hate each other, but like, you're both better off with each other. Just, you know, it was a little bit like that with Frank and Kansas state. Like, okay. Um, bosses, you know, his AD hates him and he hates his AD, but the basketball program is actually doing okay with him running it. Should you just figure it out? Ultimately, Frank said, no, just like ultimately Harbaugh has said, no, um, and I, I guess you can talk yourself into anything and say, hey, we'll be fine. we got a nice contract. We'll go rebuild it, South Carolina. But it's a hard job, and it didn't get off to a great start. Uh, but right now, you know, if, if they're 33rd at Ken Palm with a 7-3 and three record and a blowout win over Oklahoma State, like, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is there was no – it was starting to look like maybe Frank had made a mistake and ultimately we might still think it was a mistake to leave, but, but so far, so good in this particular season.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm going to sell Carolina, South Carolina making the tournament though. I think they'll have a nice improved season. I think year four next year, yes, Frank will well, them back go. to the NCAAs. I, I would say Carolina is probably the fifth best SEC team and they won't get in. And that'll just be an indictment on the league. Like I don't think the SEC is possibly getting more than four. So I would have I would have Frank on that cut line. I think they'll lose to Iowa State um this upcoming weekend. Then they open with a home game to Florida. Maybe they they can win that, but you know, they could lose that, then they go on the road to Mississippi. Um you know, I, I I'm not as big on them as maybe some others. I don't buy them in Kempom right now as where they are ranked. Yeah. I would say they're more, you know, mid forties than thirty three overall. But Finally, some positive signs. I just think year four, like a year from now when we're talking, I think it will be so evidently clear that um, that he'll have them in a good spot and they'll be headed toward an NCAA tournament. Bid. We got a yeah. Pre-
2: yeah, go ahead, Sam. The other thing about South Carolina right now is that Oklahoma State win is the only top 150, or no, top 100 win that they have. Right. They've also dropped a couple uh, games outside the top 100 to Charlotte and Akron. Right. So I'm not totally in on them either. kind of with Matt, but like he said, next year's the year. They have a couple big recruits coming in. Um, They have one of the best point guards in the country in high school coming in, I believe. Uh, So next year, I think, is the year that Frank cracks that uh, NCAA tournament barrier. And now, either way, in front of us, we have another boring week of college basketball, right? I mean, there's nothing going on.
0: Nothing interesting, am I right? Did I miss something?
1: Um, I mean, there's a couple of decent games, like league games overall, but like we're recording this on Monday. Tonight is fairly brutal um new year's eve is decent to be honest uh which kind of sucks because it's new year's eve but just like st john's plays at seton hall on wednesday um that's relatively interesting temple goes to yukon i just want to see if temple is okay but you're but overall oh, what's the other one that's uh butler at villanova on on uh on wednesday that's an afternoon game before you head off to your uh to your new year's parties so we get you know some okay league games that you know just mm-hmm. to start off but until Saturday there's nothing that's overly urgent um i would say if indiana wins at nebraska on wednesday um nebraska will then be 8 and 5 and really facing facing some serious uh questions if it can get to the tournament it's already taken on too many losses um that it shouldn't so overall wednesday's the only day before saturday that i think you want to if you're invested in the sport, you want to kind of pay attention to what games are happening.
0: Yeah, I think I think all week there's only two games between nationally ranked opponents. You'll and they both come on Saturday and one of them is West Virginia TCU. I don't think TCU should be ranked, but whatever. <laughs> and they,
1: you don't consider TCU to be a ranked team, yes, I, know. I,
0: I, I I can't say it out loud. Now, if they if they beat if they beat West Virginia, then I'm fine with it, right? Then hey, you get you know, and I'm ha- like listen, we're you know, it's TCU's 12 and 0. Like I'm happy for um, you know, for for that program. Right. But
1: there's, their schedule last week was 348 out of 351. I don't know if that's crept up to like 346 at this point, but I mean, there's certainly a a strong counter argument against TCU being ranked. But unfortunately when it comes to polls, I mean, it is very much a week by week, game by game reactionary kind of thing. And if you get to Christmas without a loss in a lot of cases,
0: people just put you in there.
1: you are just going to get ranked. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, who used to do this every year at uh, uh, my buddy Oliver Purnell at Clemson. He used to do it every year. Like they, they, they'd play nobody. They'd be like, they'd be like fourteen and zero, and then they'd finish like nineteen and nineteen or something like that. you know, whatever the numbers, however they work. And so, but Clemson would be ranked, you know, same way TCU is ranked right now. Listen, I'm happy for Trent, happy for TCU, but um, that that's not a team that's accomplished top twenty five stuff uh, yet. And then the other game on saturday um between two ranked opponents baylor at oklahoma so um uh, unless baylor at oklahoma and or west virginia at tcu really gets you excited uh this will be a week of uh, football hiring and firing mm-hmm. and uh, of course the <laughs> college football playoff on thursday well we're gonna
1: probably have um uh well probably you would think we would have a a jim harbaugh Citing in college basketball this week because now that he's out at San Francisco and people think that he's going to be at yeah. Michigan. Well, uh, no, he's going to
0: be at Michigan. He's going to be at the game tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, the yeah. rumor is that they're introducing him tomorrow at the game against. Right, Cincinnati. which,
1: which, which we, which we get like in this sport every now and then, like Urban Meyer um, being at the Ohio State game. Like that, just that stuff kind of happens. So the
0: biggest thing that happens in a college basketball arena this week will be Jim Harbaugh showing up.
1: It honestly, no, that's it true. Really, it, it very much will, and it's going to be a post on our website. <laughs> it's just going to have like probably going to be a shot of him there, and we're yeah. going to have to have a story up on it just because it's just that's how it works. Well, yeah. I will. Um, I'll let you guys handle that. All right, I've kept you long
0: <laughs> enough, uh, so let's get out of here. Uh, thanks uh, to everybody for listening. Uh, you really kind of do that. Remember, you can subscribe uh, to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast on iTunes, quickest way to get your hands on the latest episodes. So make sure to do that. Either way, uh, we'll talk again soon. Till then, take care.